now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Thank you very much, two guys and a mic indeed. TalkZone.com, beautiful Tuesday here in the fine city of Chicago. Thank you so much, folks, for joining us for uh, yet another 58 minutes and 42 seconds of a rendition of uh, beautiful sports talk here at the Two Guys and a Mic show. Phone lines will be open throughout the show at 888-463-6748. we got lots to talk about. We mentioned yesterday a triumvirate of activities to pay attention to. As it turned out, we only really needed to watch two out of three, but it was Bears-Lions Monday night. It was the third and final presidential debate, and it was, again, two of the greatest words in all of sports, Game 7, a beautiful night in the city of Chicago. A little bit of music, and then we will get this particular show off. It's the coach of the big dog at your service right up until 11 o'clock. very much david olson producer extraordinaire other side of the glass assistant producer randy myers is as per usual nowhere to be seen and our boss the commander-in-chief chris whitting i think has been on vacation the last six weeks so when the cat's away the mice will play thanks again for joining us here are the two guys at a mic show as i welcome in my good partner the big dog joel radwanski unfortunately not on the screen that you're watching well maybe david's got his picture up there but not live but he is checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in chicago Illinois, we had uh, a close, semi-close football game, a semi-close debate, and a blowout in baseball, big dog. So two out of three anyways, not too bad. How are you, my friend? I I didn't get to watch too much of the baseball game, Coach. uh, But, uh, yeah, a 9 nothing game is a lot easier on Giants fans than than the typical Giant-Cardinal game has been, uh, you know, in the playoffs the last couple of years. But, yeah, it looks like it's going to be the Tigers versus the Giants. In the World Series should be a pretty decent matchup, and and I, I got to be honest with you, going into this year, I, I had a conversation. I don't know if it was here on the radio or somewhere else, but I remember thinking I was like, you know, the last couple World Champions in baseball haven't been that good at teams. I was, now I wasn't ripping on the Cardinals, I'm a Cup fan, but you know, like the 2011 Cardinals were just one of those teams you got to shake the head where you're like, the Cardinals freaking did it again. You know how how do they do it? They're not that good. Same with the 2010 Giants, they weren't that good either. Well. The last two world champions were in the NLCS last night deciding who goes to the World Series. So I, it almost like them making it this far kind of like legitimizes their last two world championships. And maybe they were a little better than I thought they were the last couple of years. If you uh, rated, not rated, but put in standings on how they did in the regular season, uh, who had the best record in all of baseball? Yankee? Um, oh, the was the Washington Nationals, okay. I think, had better record than the than, – I know they had the best record in the National League. I think they were better than the Yankees. Just trying to figure out, you know, we know St. Louis last year was not amongst the top regular season teams. If we forgot American League, National League, East, West, South, North, Iran or Iraq, or what division that they're in, I don't think there is the Iraq division, but that's coming soon. Um, there is the We Rock division. Yes. Where did, 
where did the San Francisco Giants and the Detroit Tigers, where do they rank? About fourth and sixth, maybe? Fifth and seventh? Well, the Giants had the worst record of any of the division winners really? in the National League. Yeah, the, the Reds and the Nationals definitely had better records. Oh, that's right. Cincinnati, I forgot about them. Detroit had the worst record out of any uh, out of any of them. They were only 88 and 74. So there you go. It's even worse than I thought. When I say worse, it's not any you know major dramatic trauma. But once again, Big Dog, and it seems to be a, a trend. That, uh, you know, it, it, no matter how you did during the regular season, if you can get into the playoffs, more often than not, uh, a team that maybe is a 6, 7, 8, 9 seed, if you will, gets hot and goes to the World Series this year again. Well, I guess you could say a 9 seed because now 10 teams technically make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it just seems like it continues to happen. And, you know, people say, you know, it's, all you got to do is make it in, and if you have two dominant pitchers, you know, and you could make things happen in the playoffs. Well, it worked for the, the Giants in 2010, and it, it could work for the Tigers right now. Well, everybody's dominant out of the Tigers right now as a starting pitcher during the playoffs. That's, mm-hmm. that's been ridiculous. I don't care what their record was when you have – I don't care how bad your defense is. I don't care how good your offense is. When you have pitchers giving up nothing – you know, game after game after game, it makes it a lot easier, and the Tigers have done that. A little bit disappointing for the baseball fans, including myself. Now, I was at the Monday night game, courtesy of a Smith Barney Steve. Thank you very much. But uh, disappointing a bit for the baseball fan that didn't have a hard rooting interest, and you're hoping for Big Dog, you know, uh, Game 7 to get to the series. Let's, you know, get it to the 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th inning, one-run ball game. Nothing better than that. Every pitch matters, the intensity uh, the heat index goes up about 32 points in the stadium. We didn't get that last night as the Giants really put them away. What was it, the third inning where they put up a six spot, right, or a four spot to make it six nothing? Yeah, that's that. That was that was the key inning. And after that, it was I was just like just checking my phone for the score at that point. I mm-hmm. didn't really wasn't watching it at all. So yeah, I informed the uh, the guys when we're going down to sit. We had uh, the same seats every year. We go. Um, and the four seats are on the aisle, but I did inform the other three gentlemen, and I use that term loosely, that this year I'm sitting on the aisle. Because I figured if it was a close baseball game, maybe the football team wasn't so good, I'd be doing a little hopping and popping inside to catch the baseball game. And uh, it was maybe an hour into the football game, big maybe 45. I made my first check, and I was like, wow, 6 nothing after 3. Kind of killed the suspense. Although it was the Cardinals. We've seen St. Louis come back before. Not last night, but you never count a St. Louis Cardinal team out. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, especially in a championship game, you got to put people away. You have to put people away because no one's going to give up. At least on the professional level, you don't think people will give up uh, in a game seven mm-hmm. to go to the World Series. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I started rooting for them. I, I felt the magic. I felt something, Big Dog. Is that I, you know, I. How much San Francisco Giant baseball did I watch during the regular season? You know, I could count probably on my pinky finger. I caught highlights. That's about it. Maybe an occasional couple innings of the Cubs against the Giants. So I didn't know Brandon Belt from, uh, you know, Marcus Scutaro or Scutaro. I called him Scutaro a while ago. It's Marcus Scutaro, right? Yeah, he's been on a lot of different teams, Coach, so you should have you should have been familiar with him before. Yeah. You know, I have memory loss, and it affects my uh the scooter part of my brain. But uh, uh, the point is, Big Dog, I, I sense something about the San Francisco team as they started that incredible comeback against Cincinnati down 2-0, five-game series, all three at Cincinnati. And there was a certain feeling, and I felt it in the celebration in the locker room. 
And when they got down to St. Louis 3-1, to we said, don't count them out. I think you kind of agree with me. There's something about this particular Giant team. They got the magic going, and they pull off, what was that, their sixth consecutive stave-off elimination game. I think I got that right. Yeah, that would, that would make sense because they were 0-2, and then they were down uh, uh, 3-1. So they had to win at least six games in a row, at least Ooh. six games. And they're doing it not in close games necessarily. They had maybe, of those six, I think four or five, including last night, dog, uh, you know, they absolutely put away the other team. Yeah, definitely in the in the World Series, I mean, in the NLCS, it definitely was like that because they beat them 7 nothing, 6-1, and then 9 nothing. So I would have wow. to... Those are serious scores right there. Last three games, 20-1, to they outscore the vaunted St. Louis Cardinals. Amazing. Yeah, that'll get it done for you. And if you're a St. Louis Cardinal fan and you're waiting for them to clinch the NL so you can go to the World Series and you get (laughs) beat 20-1 to in three games, that's that's not good. Wow. Wow. All right, so the big dog, uh, you know, a a red-hot San Francisco Giant team. They got the mojo going. Detroit Tigers, they were red hot, but they haven't played baseball now in over a week. It's early, but you got a little inclination either way here, Doug. You know what? The, the, the Tigers, they haven't played baseball in forever. And, and Jimmy Leland, they faced this in 2006 when they clinched real early. They swept the A's, and then they had to wait for the, the Cardinals for like eight or ten days or whatever it was in order to, to clinch the NL. And then all of a sudden the Cardinals came out and literally – punched the Tigers in the face, and we're up like 2 nothing in that series. And uh, Jimmy Leland talked about it. He's like, our bats were slow. He's like, we weren't ready to play baseball. He's like, we're all going down to Lakeland, and we're playing like they're playing like they're minor league teams every single day. Smart. So I- I'm just waiting to hear, like, oh, uh, Justin Verlander broke his right middle <laughs> finger uh, bunting during bunting practice. Yeah. Like, you know, that's what, that's the only thing I worry about is, <laughs> is that Verlander can get hurt doing something. Stupid, preparing for a national defeat. Or broke his middle finger with Kate Upton, but that's another story. Um, Woo, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. Wow. I uh, just wanted to point out, because uh, the, the amount of rest, uh, there's an interesting article on the Wall Street Journal that I'll post up on our Facebook page that says, the amount of rest between the League Championship Series and the World Series has made no difference. Interesting. So I'll uh, so post that article up. So that works both ways. Some people that say Detroit's going to be rusty and lose their momentum no difference, but others say, hey, Frisco's got a tired pitching staff, and they get no, but it doesn't yeah, affect it, 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 Statistically, it has not mattered. Uh, it, since 1995, it hasn't mattered. Now, I'll, I'll put it up. Interesting. What does our two guys in a mic focus group say about that? I haven't had a chance to pull them yet. We are trying to form that, uh, Big Dog. You know, I've been so jealous of the debates when I watch them. You know, the CNN, they got in a little, you know, different various rooms across the country. They got their focus group. So we're trying to get a two guys at a mic focus group and get some polling numbers out, something to add to the show a little bit. Right now, our focus group, I believe, is the UPS guy when he shows up at the proper time. Uh, some dude that's been hanging around the parking lot that I don't trust and always got as a brown bag. And, uh, and the lady who works downstairs, that's our focus group so far. Three very pleasant individuals, by the way. By the way, that group, they don't they don't pronounce focus the same way you do. <laughs> that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, and that, yeah. that group, is a little, they, they like to be beat down, Coach. Yeah. That's what I can tell you. Yeah, and they don't like to, well, they do like to be pulled, but they had nothing to do with the numbers, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sound like a pulled pork sandwich. 
Oh, goodness. Dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock, 888-463-6748. So the baseball was decided. We get a day off. We can concentrate on the World Series. But yesterday here in the city of Chicago, Big Dog, it was MNF. It was Monday Night Football, and the Bears came through with, I don't know, how would you describe it, a workmanlike 13-7 to victory? Uh, I would just remember yesterday we were talking about Hopefully the Bears can do this, 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 and this. And then I was like, you know, we were saying all this, but actually I'll, I'll just take an ugly win. I would call that, you call it work living like, I would almost call it ugly. That was like, let's just do enough to win a game and get the hell out of here is what it was, it was kind of what it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I do think the offense does have to play better than they played yesterday, Coach. They did make enough plays to keep the ball late. But, uh, I, 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 I'm a little worried. Was Cutler hurt? I mean, seriously, he could not deliver a like a pass with Zing on it after a time against who picked him up and slammed him, which is illegal. Okay, I'm so that is that, that is pathetic, Coach. The NFL has made a uh, a directive that you can no longer pick people up and then slam them with your weight on top of them if you can control their body. Like it's illegal to do that. And time against who? Picked up Cutler, adjusted him in the air, and then drove him into the ground. That guy Rochelle, or whatever the hell his name is, committed all those stupid penalties. Where was he when Andamikasu was standing over Cutler? Are you okay? Well, if he's asking if he's okay, maybe he shouldn't have picked him up and then drove his shoulder into the ground. Rochelle should have had his helmet right in Andamikasu's, you know what, right up his butt. Sending them over to the Lions sideline—that was ridiculous, Coach. I, I, you know, you I, actually you you had a better view of it than me because you got to watch the different replays and stuff. I was at the game; it looked violent. But I will say, Big Dog, not that you're wrong, but I will say you're in the minority. the The majority of the experts and the everyday folks that I've heard so far are saying it was hard, it was vicious, but it was not a dirty hit. First of all, I don't think that should be illegal. Players should be able to do it, but don't. Doesn't the NFL have the directive now that you can't drive somebody into the ground? Well, yes, but the question is, well, where does that? Happen? If that happened to Tom Brady or Drew Brees, everybody would be going freaking crazy. Oh, it happened to our our crybaby quarterback, so now everybody doesn't care. Jay Cutler needs to quit whining and bitching, and maybe he'll finally somebody will give him a call. Seriously, yeah. the fact that you, I, I, I don't care what the pundits say. I don't read any with the so-called experts. I don't listen to the frickin' radio. I can watch it. This isn't rocket science, okay? I can watch a game, and I don't need anybody else's opinion to tell me, like, what happened during it. Mm-hmm. Jay Cutler got picked up and driven into the ground, which is illegal. I like the terminology, and I didn't know that was in the rule book, but uh, I like that. The fact, I'm assuming you're correct that it is. And that's a perfect you know, you know perfect what? way to I'll define it. You, if you have them in control, in other mm-hmm. words, it's implying that there's another way of tackling them you could do that. If the only way to bring him down is by the way of doing it, and there is some referee judgment there, and correct me if I'm wrong if I'm getting this incorrect, but I like the way that's that's stated. If you have him in control, then you shouldn't be able to lift him up and throw him down. If that's the only way to tackle him and it turned out to be vicious, then mm-hmm. they would let it go. Is that the interpretation? Absolutely, Coach. There has to be – you can no longer pile drive a player into the, into the ground. It's like the pile drive uh, rule. And it quite simply happened, 2001, the 2000 playoffs, January 2000. Steve McNair's back to pass for the, the AFC champion Titans. They're about to beat the Ravens. They don't block Tony Siragusa, who grabs 
Steve McNair picks him up in the air and puts him on the gut and does the body splash on top of McNair. McNair's shoulder breaks in half, okay, and this is in the middle of the first quarter. Next, you know, they put the backup in. I think his name was Kelly Holcomb. Coach, the Titans season is done. They never go back to the playoffs under Steve McNair. His career is never the same after that, and it's all because some badass Tony Saragusa decided <laughs> to do the splash on top of Steve McNair. Uh, thank you for the uh, the memory, though. I, I had, you know, kind of forgotten about. And I, I can't even remember if he retired or if he just faded away from the NFL, but uh, the, his name has not come up in a while. Thank you for that, Steve. Air McNair, pretty good. Not great, but so, pretty good NFL quarterback. So it's the, the last time Steve McNair's air came up, name came up on this uh, station was when uh, his girlfriend shot him and killed him. God, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And I still have vague, how, like, was that, was that five years ago? I would have to say, yeah. Probably less than that, Coach. Man, I Super forgot. That. So he didn't exactly fade away from the NFL. I forgot totally about that. Yeah, uh, wow. his girlfriend, she was like 18, gorgeous, and psychopath. And uh, he broke up with her, came with a gun, and shot him and killed herself. Wow. If I could. Let me quickly break from Bears because I I think this is a quandary and David Olson I got to bring you this into it bring you into it as well because this happened in Chicago over the weekend where a, a young girl was in a beauty salon where the wacko boyfriend comes in and uh, shoots her and, and kills two other people in the beauty salon but the the, the issue I want to bring up with you real quick get back to Bears football here we jump around from completely different issues. And it's happened before, and I don't know what the answer is, but you get a guy who is harassing and appears to be dangerous, and the and it could be a guy, it could be a girl, uh-huh. and they go so to the police. Obviously, not harassing this girl is the other way around. No, the guy was harassing the girl. The girl had gone to the police. I, I just said McNair was not doing that. I was oh, okay. Bringing well, up. I'm sorry. I was I'm not sorry. trying to smear Steve McNair's name on our airways. Airway. I got you. Okay. Um, you know, and they go to the police and say, hey, I need protection. You know, this guy is dangerous. And, and you know, and when you hear after the fact that the guy ends out killing the person, you're thinking, oh, man, couldn't they have done somehow horrible. But what do you do when the police, when the guy doesn't have that much of a record, he hasn't done anything yet? What's the answer? Because you hate to see someone killed when they sort of thought that that might be happening to him. How, how should the police properly deal with that? That's the that's a, it's a real good question because there's a lot of times people can just go into the police department and say, right, hey, this guy's harassing me when he wasn't, and the next you know the police are harassing some guy that didn't do anything wrong, you know. So it's like such it's the fine line, coach. It's it's so hard to you know give a right answer about that. It, it is. I'm going to tell you well, that. I can I, just I, imagine what, if if you're the person, the helplessness of that feeling, realizing that the guy hasn't done enough yet. For the police to lock him up, but knowing wherever you are, work, going to sleep at night, and you can't afford a personal bodyguard, the police aren't going to put someone outside the house that this guy could come and get you, and son of a gun, he's going to kill you, and you, and you thought maybe there was a chance all along, and you're basically helpless against it. You know, it, and if you, if you don't think that stuff happens, Lily the Lilac has a sister, and just like Lily the Lilac, she's beautiful. Well, ex-boyfriend... Comes from China, coach. So, and he puts on a ladder, smashes, like, uh, puts it up against the house, climbs all the way up, smashes the second story window to get in. 
think it's, you're right. People will do stupid stuff. Some people eight thousand miles to pass pass out retribution. It's the only possible thing. Maybe if the police could, you know, they could try to like tempt the guy and set up some kind of sting. I don't know if that's possible. That's a that'd be the only minor thing I could see. Otherwise, I can see that from the police's standpoint. But boy, for the individual again, the helplessness of that feeling. And then if you end out getting killed, I mean, you're just so mad looking back at it. Like here's a a girl that knew she was in danger. And the dude ends up going to get her, and the police really couldn't do anything about it. That's, oof, not good. Now, where is uh, this beauty station at, Coach? Not sure. Not sure. The guy, the the guy, and, and again, again, we hear from the neighbors and the. I think he was taking classes at a school. The guy who did the killing, and he uh-huh. grew up big dog in Northbrook and in Wheeling, two very nice, mellow suburban towns. And all the quotes I've read, once again. Oh, this couldn't be him. This is totally out of character for him. He was such a nice student in class. He was, a, you know, he was a very unassuming neighbor. You know how <laughs> we've said that yeah. often, but how, how many times is that the case with the guy who went out to be a ravaging Every killer? single time, whenever they, you hear quotes about uh, 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 what do you call it, somebody in that situation, you hear those quotes. Except the one time where the guy about eight years ago, if you remember, went into the Illinois State Capitol building. Shot like four people and took a couple people hostage. Yep. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. It, uh, I, I, Coach, the only time I've ever heard the opposite was <laughs> after that happened. I remember this old, old African American lady, and she was like, "I know it. That boy was crazy." And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. somebody else was like, "I knew the whole time. I never liked that guy. I could never trust him. This doesn't surprise me whatsoever." The only time I've ever heard it was yeah. that guy right there. And, and as a viewer, you're the thinking, "Yeah, so finally." Funny. Finally. All right. Anyhow, that was a little sideline. I couldn't resist that. Back to the Chicago Bear game. By the way, Bear fans out there, Lion fans, football fans, you watched the game last night, or it is Residue Tuesday. You want to pick up any of the residue from the weekend? That's a tradition here on a Tuesday version of the Two Guys in a Mic Show. Any of the NFL games out there, you want to comment, call in. We'd love to talk to you. 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. Four eight, the big dog. I guess the best part about the offense yesterday is they didn't turn it over. Uh, they did make some big third downs to keep drives going. So they you know, really they played pretty good. But when you look at it, three turnovers and we still only put thirteen points up on the board. That's not so good. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 exactly right. That's that's. I'm not. The Bears are five and one. Let's be happy with the fact that they're five and one. But. If they want to be six and one, and then fourteen and two, or wherever the heck, and then win a couple playoff games, uh, the offense—yes, they did enough to win last night. But last night, typically, that won't be enough to win. And you said it right, Coach. Their defense put them in a bunch of good situations. They should have taken advantage of it. But then again, the Bears had some drives where they had good drives when they started at like the one yard line, and they at least got a couple first downs and. And didn't cost their team like by yep. giving up any points at that time. So yep. I don't want to think that I'm sitting here bitching and complaining. Oh, the you know the, the offense is horrible. No, it wasn't. But then again, please protect Cutler a little bit better. Please protect. That was the biggest problem last year. We've seen it's better this year, but it's still nowhere mm-hmm. near the way it should be. And and quite honestly, when Cutler was down on the field in tremendous pain, and all of us were like, oh no, because you don't know. Like I. Lily's like, what's what's wrong with you? Why why are you so like freaked out? I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be out for one play or 16 games. 
And that's an extremely important position. And it, try to explain someone who doesn't really understand football that much the importance of, mm-hmm. of what happens when you're starting and backup quarterback. And, and, and I know you go on and on about how they should be better prepared to backup. And I thought of you immediately. I'm like, yeah, the coach is right. Jason Campbell needs more reps in practice. <laughs> that was the first thing I said when Cutler was on the ground, Coach. Did you did, and, you did you think of me when the Bears called a defensive and offensive timeout again in the first quarter? I hope you were thinking of me then. Well, not that it's well, a big you know, deal, Coach. I, I, the first the first half ones don't bother me as much as the second half ones. Yeah, but you're right. I I don't like them. I don't like okay. them. I, now, I, I don't get. I didn't get all crazy uh, panicked about it yesterday. Yeah. All right, so the offense up and down, lukewarm overall, good enough. We need to make more big plays. But let, let's talk about the real positive, Big Dog, and it's been a positive right from the get-go opening game against the Indianapolis Colts. Scotty reported the Bears' defense this year. You know, they're going to hang in. The offense will carry them a little bit. They'll be okay. They could be pretty good, but they're aging a little bit. we got to get them some help. They have been solid from start to finish, and again last night, an outstanding defensive effort. How about the Bear, Big Dog? You know, we, neither one of us, nobody in the world should be surprised that they're taking the ball away from people. Whether, even next year, if they're, if they're old and slow and giving up more yards and points than they had this year, they'll take the ball from people. Don't, but the, the thing that I think is truly surprising for everybody is that they've been dominant in the terms of they're hard to move the ball on, and you can't score on the Bears. The Bears are, are leading the NFL in points against right now, coach. And that's the, that's a stat. If they're leading that at the end of the year, the Bears are going to finish at worst, like 12 and four, at worst at the end of the season, which will mean they'll win the NFC North. Mm-hmm. And it's really, uh, you know, solid, solid all around uh, play. You're getting it from the linebackers. Lance Briggs, again, phenomenal last night. Erlocker's become a complimentary piece, but a solid complimentary piece. Uh, you know, the defensive backs, Tillman and Jennings playing at a Pro Bowl level. You got two good, not great. But you finally got two solid, good safeties, and that defensive line, big dog, seven guys rotating, uh, no big sacks. Nobody's going to show up on the highlight page. But what I saw last night from being at the game is consistent and constant pressure on Matt Stafford. And, again, the rotation of seven. So it's, it's a complete defensive effort all season long. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, Coach. You, you saw everything. You were exactly right about the constant effort of the defensive line to keep on putting pressure on, on Matt Stafford. And last year, Julius Pepper played the most snaps of any defensive lineman in all of football. All of football had the most snaps. And it wore on him. And this year, you know, like, cause I, one thing I love about Lily is when I'm explaining football to her, she listens to me. And all of a sudden she's like, how come your guy Peppers isn't on the field? I'm like, he can't play every down. I was like, now they got this McCullen kid and this Wooten kid. And so she starts doing the whole Wooten, okay, whatever. That's, but the <laughs> thing is, Coach, they can put in Melton at, at the moving from tackle to end. They can put McClellan and Wooten in. And then Peppers isn't on the field every single play. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the fourth quarter, Matt Stafford is running like a madman as Julius Peppers is sprinting after him. Like, then it's like the fourth quarter on third down, and it just seemed like Julius Peppers was – Sprinting after Matt Stafford, he was running yep. like a man possessed. Oh, yeah. He, he, and it has everything to do with what you talked about, the seven guys on the line. So Peppers doesn't have to play 93 or whatever it was percent of the snaps like he did last season. Shea McClellan, the rookie, getting more and more playing time. He's been very good, but it's uh, fun to watch. Complete effort. It's not dominant like the 1985 Bear defense, but it is complete 
It's thorough. It's solid on the star of the game again last night. Charles Tillman, he, uh, wherever Charles Johnson was, uh, Peanut Tillman was their big dog. And for the most part, really for the entire part, he shut down one of the best receivers in the NFL. You know what? Charles would, uh, Charles Tillman, it should be beloved by Chicago Bears fans because that guy came in from a smaller school. He used to get burned a little bit when he was, when he first started out. But he has worked himself into being one of the top corner quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and you know what I love about it is the fact that you, you one day you were like, I see this guy out on the street right in my neighborhood. Yep. And he's dragging stuff and he's working every day. I'm like, why is this guy working so hard? And you go over and introduce yourself and he's like, hello, sir. I'm Mr. I'm Charles Tillman. I'm a professional defensive back for the Chicago National Football League team. And then, like, leaves you alone. And you're just like, when you told me that, I fell in love with Charles Tillman, coach. You have no idea. I always liked him. But the fact that you just told me that this guy is out there running in the streets, dragging stuff and working his butt off. Yeah, I remember you explaining, like, you're like, he's working as hard as anybody I've ever seen work out. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to know why you can put him up against the best receiver in football, Calvin Johnson, and not worry about it? Because when you work that hard, and you always work that hard, and you always work that hard, Things come easy in the game, and you can get matched up against the top receiver and continue to punch the ball out every time he gets his hands on it. How about his the two consecutive plays? It was a play with Brendan Pettigrew, then another play, then another play with Brendan Pettigrew. And both those Pettigrew plays, Tillman punched the ball out of Pettigrew's hand on the sidelines. Did you did you notice that at the game? Yep, yep. I just, I mean, just I, anybody who works that hard, I, I like. And Charles Tillman, I'm glad you're a Chicago pair, brother. Maybe... Instead of Peanut, maybe his nickname should have been Ali. Because he, he literally punches the ball better than any defensive back that I've ever seen Big Doug. That ever. particular yeah, He's the best at it. He has kind of perfected it. Like nobody, People have done that before. Nobody has ever perfected it like Charles mm-hmm. Tillman does. And, and also, to say this, Charles Tillman knows that he can go after the football and punch it out and maybe even give up another yard or two. Because he knows Nate Bright, Chris Conte, Lance Briggs, Brian Urlacher are all sprinting at full speed to help him out. And he could actually go try to make a play. He doesn't have to just hang on to a guy and try to bring him to a ground because he's worried that his, his co-defenders are, are not hustling. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's something to be said about that, Coach, when you know you can attack the football because you're going to have help with your posse to, to take this guy down in a split second after you punch the ball out. No question about it. 13-7, Bears win, 5-1 and one on the season. We're talking about the accolades of the Chicago Bears. Along with it, though, Big Dog, we have to throw a little slice and dice in to the ineffectiveness of the Detroit Lions. You know, they're coming off that, I mean, a talented team that was predicted to do a lot better this year. I surmised after they had come back and beat Philadelphia in the final minutes last week, they finally turned it around. We're going to see a Detroit team with some momentum going. They were, and i got to tell you, being at the game, watching them on the sidelines, listless performance on the field, no magic between Stafford and Johnson. You know, they got LaShore running a little bit. There's no excitement to the team. Their head coach, Jim Schwartz, just walked up and down the side. Nobody talked to him. He didn't go over to a single coach or player the entire Game. I can always tell what a head coach is losing a team when they do that, but a listless, unexciting, very unsexy performance by your Detroit Lions. Yeah, that that was your guy, Jim Schwartz. You love Jim Schwartz. Was so that, my guy. It's it's, uh, it's hard. It's, it's it's hard to hear you talk so badly about him, coach. 
<laughs> I can feel your pain. Yeah, you know what? I just saw this thing on uh, Cleveland 95. It's one of the most uh, – the NFL Network does something called Football Lives. It's like their hour or two-hour, uh, like, biography of different people. Well, they did one just on Cleveland 95. The year that right in the middle of the season, Cleveland decided to – the Browns decided to leave Cleveland and go to Baltimore. Yep. That may be one of the greatest coaching staffs in the history of, of football in the 1995 Cleveland Browns team. Mark Schwartz was on it. Well, you know, I know you're like a big deal, but uh, Michael Lombardi, uh, uh, Michael Dimitra, uh, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban. Um, I'm trying to. There's, uh, basically, half the GMs and football coaches in the NFL right now were on the Cleveland 1995 staff, including and said, Jim. And Jim Schwartz was on that staff. Yeah, Jim Schwartz was the defensive coordinator. Of that uh, not the defensive coordinator, like the defensive backs coach. Nick Nick Saban was the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And, it's just, and there's other guys that I'm leaving off of there. Ozzie Newsom was the player personnel director. It's just like every name in the NFL with, like is involved. Pet, uh, Phil Savage is it? I just keep on, all these names. I just but watching these, the Jim Schwartz story is pretty cool, coach, because he didn't play in the NFL and basically he started. They, uh, he basically, uh, Scott Pioli, Jim Schwartz, all these guys started when Bill Pelichek was like, they wanted, he wanted to find the hardest workers. So he's like, instead of us going out and paying a bunch of coaches a hundred thousand, let's offer these guys 15,000 because they'll work harder. And he was serious. So he offered a bunch of guys, a bunch of guys $15,000. And at the end of the year, he figured out which ones he wanted to keep. All of those guys that he wanted to keep are now NFL head coaches or GMs. All of them. I, Never heard that background story before. Not a word. So, yeah, Bill, Bill Belichick's a freaking genius. Is all I got to tell you. He's my. He's the best coach. He's the best football mind in the world. There's mm-hmm. not even a doubt after watching this Cleveland '95 thing. Sounds like the similar strategy the general manager Chris Whitting, the man who we haven't seen uh, for six weeks, uh, has with us. Big dog. Pay him as little he's as like, possible and see who works the hardest. Yeah, Dave. Dave Olson went in and was like, "Hey, uh, I was, it, it's time for my one percent a year pay increase." And Chris Whitting's like, "You're going to get a one percent less because we want you to work harder next year." <laughs> yeah. Well, we got it Whatever. half right, anyways. Yeah. I'm not sure if we got the work hard part, but we definitely have the the salary decrease part. That 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 part has been uh, perfected here at the TalkZone.com. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there'll be a reality series, Big Dog. We're like a sports talk off. Instead of dancing with the stars, talking with the stars, we could enter you into that. You could be paired up with a celebrity sports talker, and i got to believe you would survive and advance through that pool. Now, you would be surprised, Coach. I am an extremely good dancer. I could, I'm, I'm not I wasn't that talking great, about but dancing. I have good balance and, and athleticism. I can throw people in the air. So if I get, like, just as long as I don't get, like, teamed up with, like, Jay Glazer, I'll be oh. okay. It's got to be a small sports talk <laughs> But I was talking about uh, not dancing with a sports talk host. That, all, that brings up a different theory. I, can, I, I can throw Bob. I can be the man, and Bob Costas could be the woman, and I can throw Costas in the air <laughs> off the stage. With your luck, Big Dog, you'd probably be paired up with Chris Berman. Hello. Uh, that's a broken back. Yeah, that's that, that's an early early round elimination if I've ever seen one. No, but I, I was thinking of you behind the microphone in a sports talk sports talk off reality series. I think you would survive in advance, and that I'm a lot more confident there than I would you would uh, on the dance floor. Be, no matter who you're, your partner is. Well, you're wrong. I am. 
Yeah, you're wrong. You got to. I can move, Coach. Okay, maybe not like your son David, but I can shake it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we we have live webcast ability. Next time you're in studio, we may ask you to shake. Pardon the expression. A time or two, so the fans can see that. Okay. Yeah, you just got to give me the right music. Okay. All right. Give me some Wilco. Oh yeah. Well, well you could request whatever kind of music you want. By the way, I, I read about a new group, and I YouTube them a little bit. Uh, keep an eye on. Uh, Alabama Shakes. Okay, uh, just to let you know, uh, Alabama Shakes is on a new group, and I've been listening to them for over a year, Coach. Really? I got XRT plays all... I thought I was going to give you a rare scoop in the music world. They've been around, huh? No, no, not a, like, but they're good, Coach, because they, they, they got, like, uh, they play, like, uh, like that funkadelic sound, and they got the guy with the voice that has, it sounds like he's been burning way too much rope. <laughs> That's a woman. The is woman is really? the lead singer. The, the lead singer is a woman. I tell you, I swear <laughs> to you, Dave, I've been hearing that music, Alabama Shakes, on XRT for a year. I had no idea that was a woman. I swear <laughs> to you, I'm not neither did, ne- neither did I until I saw him on uh, Conan. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's a woman. I knew. Yeah, but- who has better musical guests, Conan or or David Letterman? I mean, seriously, that's the only, only reason why I ever checked. Letterman is to see if there's a bad a bad on the, like the, the, no, the it's the it's the younger guys. It's a it's uh it's Fallon and Conan have the best musical guests. Gotcha, gotcha. Jimmy Fallon does have some good musical guests. The um female singer that both of you guys thought were male, I, I knew it right away, obviously, because I read the article and saw her picture, so I, I probably would have been confused like you guys. They're liking her to uh, Janice Joplin. That that sounds about right. Yeah. Coach, yes, okay. I would say that. All right, I thought That's I had a scoop, but you guys already heard him. Well, you know. No, no, no. Thank you, Coach. That's you picked a great band to tell me, but I'm not complaining. About it. I'm just laughing. That's funny. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're you're right. They 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 play good music. Coach. Pretty good. Very Pretty good. good. All right, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Any Bear fans out there? We'll talk about the Bears Lions game. Lions really really bad. Bears workman like victory. Bottom line five and one. Got ten, Tennessee coming up. We got uh, not Cincinnati, but uh, Carolina coming up. But in a couple of weeks, big dog back to back. The Houston Texans and the San Francisco 49ers both on national TV. I think a lot of Bear fans already looking forward to that eight days of uh, two two good games of football. Yeah, we got a, a Sunday night game and a, and a Monday night game to take care of. But th- that part of the schedule looks like a bear. We, you know, we were talking about it. We're like. Whoa, like the Texans 49ers, you get games with the Vikings, and, and there's a lot of really tough games in the middle of that. That's why, do not look ahead. You're playing a Carolina Panther team this week that Wounded. is reeling. Yep. They just fired their GM, yep. so there's uh, people around the, the, the building are going to be a little bit more on edge. They have to get this win. Do not look ahead because there's certain ways, like when you. You look at your schedule and you start pointing out, okay, that's a win. That's well, this is a that's a win game. They have to win the that's a win game. You can't lose those. Yep, and Carolina will be as is like a wounded animal right now. They got they're playing with nothing to lose too. Cam Newton coming out, firing out, obviously very frustrated, suffering a little bit of a sophomore jinx. One of our favorite guys, the next eighty-five Bear, Ron Rivera, who I think is a heck of a coach, coaching the ball club. Like you said, they fire their general manager. I think. Uh, Sunday will be a good test for the Bears because you're going to play an angry team with nothing to lose. That's always a dangerous prop. And they've lost, what, four games? and uh, Or they've lost five, but four of the games I think they've lost by five points or less. 
Yeah, they 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 barely lost to the Cowboys. The the the, the loss to the the Tampa Bay wasn't that bad. So yeah, they mm-hmm. they barely lost games so far this year, Coach. Mm-hmm. They did get blown out by the Giants on national television at home. Yep, that's where uh, that's where the embarrassment and the and the hole is. Kim, you know, is he a is he a, is it a fluke? Is it the sophomore jinx started coming mm-hmm. out when and then he didn't look at the camera and all that other stuff. So okay. it, it's funny when you know Carolina the the city. Doesn't have like this huge major news, like it's not like a news factory of a city. So like we we crack up sometimes when we when we talk about like oh why do we have to hear about this because only because the guys from New York we're hearing about this. We never would have heard about Cam Newton not looking at the camera. Carolina had anything else to talk about in their whole entire vast state than besides the fact that Cam Newton is the quarterback of their of their professional football team. Mm-hmm. Now, Cam Newton has been overshadowed by uh, Robert Griffin III. He is the Cam Newton of last year and taking it one step further. All right, moving uh, right along, Big Duck, because I do want to get to college football residue Tuesday. We didn't get to any of the college football action, so I want to bring up a few of the games from the weekend with our collegiate football expert. That's you, Big Duck. We don't actually pay for a college football expert, so uh, you take over that role. You do it quite well, I might add. But real quick, i got to throw in the third big event yesterday. We, we had Bears. Monday Night Football, we had the uh, Game 7 of the NLCS Championship Series, but we also had the final debate last night, Barack Obama. Barack Obama, as they like to say in the Jewish Senior Assisted Living Center, versus Mitt, don't call me Matthew Romney. Did you get a chance to watch a big deal? Have you heard from any of your friends on debate number three? Uh, I didn't really get to watch it much. I tried to watch it last night when I uh, went to bed, but I just fell asleep myself on the back amongst other places here in the two guys at a mic show would say that even coming home at 1130 after attending the Bears game I go to the tape machine watch about 40 minutes of the debate last night wake up this morning big dog and finish watching the debate including some CNN post game analysis how's that for dedication to uh, accuracy if not the cause oh beautiful thank you very much I can tell you're you're delighted um you know, the polling numbers say Obama won the debate for whatever that's worth. The polling numbers also say nobody really changed their vote. And Big Dog, yeah. even though you're not, I know you can be turned off by politics, but, you know, the competition's kicking in this, the next two weeks. I mean, we're down to the nitty-gritty. This might be one of the tightest races ever, if nothing else, from a competitive instinct. It's going to be interesting to watch the next two weeks, including two weeks from today. Yeah, of the of 18 of the 19 polling uh, sources say that it's it's a coin flip yep. because there's so many of the electoral college votes that are up for grabs that it's, it's anybody's election right now. It's really 50-50. Now, Gallup doesn't feel that way. They're the only one that doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's a little strange. Gallup's usually pretty good. I'm not saying they're wrong, but it's, isn't it strange that one of the 19 has it, like, totally one way and the other 18 have it, like, completely right down the center? Yeah, Gallup, you know, in our, well, we're used to our generation anyways, Gallup being like the most trusted, but I don't know. I think Gallup might have gone off the deep end a little bit. Maybe the, the wild younger brother, the wild younger son of Mr. Gallup has taken over the poll and they've gone. Yeah, they, they said that Romney's going to win in a blowout in a landslide. 7%. But I think, you know, it it would be interesting. That would sway the Electoral College in a way that you can say you only won by 7% more of the vote, but the way that they're saying he's going to win it is 
he's going to win all the states. Of, he's going to win all the the fifty fifty states. Is what is what Gallup is saying. Right. And that's that's the advantage, slight advantage Barack Obama has right now. Even though the popular vote is still split, the way the states work out, he's still got an electoral college lead, but state by state is is diminishing. David Olson, you had some. Uh, Yeah, it's a very, very real possibility that we're going to have a repeat of 2000 where Barack Obama will win the Electoral College but lose (laughs) the popular vote. Oh, would that be Just because Mitt Romney's leads are so huge in the South. Yep. How would the Republicans, if that was a scenario, and oh, the irony, folks, how would the Repubs deal with that? That's a a very, very good question. I don't know why, but it brings a smile to my face. Maybe I do know why. But uh, bottom line is, dog, this this baby's going down to the wire, my friend. And it's going to be uh, interesting, if not fun, to watch. It's just, I don't know. Interesting, yes. I don't know about fun. The state of this country is, 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 is on the line. It's so. not, yeah, but it's not that bad. The state of the country, I saw one expert say, I think it was my guy Fareed Zakaria. One of the most respected uh, guys in the media. In my yeah, when, he, when he's not happy enough, something somebody else wrote. No, he's very, very intelligent, very, very uh, intro. Like and... I said, when he's, not, when he's not plagiarizing people, he's extremely smart. No, 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 that was totally false. Yeah, he got over the. You're, you're a little bit late on that one. That was a complete. <laughs> it was. It was a complete That's misnomer. Okay. And he... I'm glad I brought it up because I, 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 I just assumed that he was a, a liar and a cheat ever yeah. since. Okay, well, you were wrong on that. So, but at any rate, um, now I forgot what I was going to say. Forgot totally what I was going to say. That America's in good shape. Oh yeah, yeah. That the uh, housing market. You know, his people tell him the housing market is about to make a turn, and recovery is going to make a move, if not a significant one, in the next four years. So he says, whichever guy wins the presidency. He's probably going to serve another term because, you know, he his people are telling him the next four years there's going to be a severe upswing. So that makes this election even that much more important. So basically he's saying that Mitt Romney is going to win the election because uh, Barack Obama can't run again in four years. So No, no. If, 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 the, if it goes up again, Barack Obama, then obviously whoever would follow him, and it won't be Joe Biden, thank you very much, would have a huge advantage. But I see what you're saying. If you take if you take the literal sense, yes, but uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Very very interesting polling numbers going up and down. The rare undecideds. I saw some editorial here in Chicago, Big Dog, that said, "Isn't it weird where you know because Illinois is a decided state with the electoral college that the you know huge city of Chicago is getting zero emphasis while people in Parma, Ohio, are being targeted." So technically, in this election, the people how they feel and vote in Parma, Ohio, is a lot more important than the people in the big city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you have a whole uh, state that is so, like, so bloody liberal. It's, like, it's disgusting. And that, that yet they haven't figured out what the Democrats have done to this city and this county. But so yet they just blindly vote Democrat all the time. Sports guys talk politics. You want to chime in? Uh... Feel free to do so. Phone lines always open at your perusal, folks. 888-463-6748. 888-463-6748. Big door real quick from the weekend that was a little bit of college football. We didn't get to it at all from yesterday, but uh, I guess on a national basis, the biggest game to talk about was Florida. 
and I forget the score, quite frankly, but they uh, they win handily against South Carolina. How good are the Florida Gators? Well, it, they're very, very good because, uh, you know, South Carolina should have got the, the wake-up call after losing to LSU. You figure, you know, they're, they're not used to being undefeated. Well, they didn't get it. Florida put a beat down on them, and uh, Florida's legit coach. And they, they if they can figure out their offense, they're going to be okay because it isn't just the great, uh, like, SEC defenses that are slowing down Florida's offenses themselves, but so far their defense has just been a, a turnover machine. And and i got to be honest, I thought the biggest game of the weekend for me going in was West Virginia versus K-State. Yep. And everybody thought that was going to be a great game, and, and Kansas State just proved that they are one of the great teams in college football this season. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Boy, and how about that? If you've been, and I guess I have a more personal affront now because in our college visits, for some odd reason we did venture out to Manhattan, Kansas. Literally in the middle of nowhere, Big Dome. Now, mm-hmm. Kansas is a, you know, it's a basketball state. It's a decent football state, but nobody's going to call Kansas a football hotbed. So to recruit a top five team in the country, to the desert oasis in the Midwest that is Manhattan, Kansas. I don't know who the coach is at Kansas State, but he's doing a hell of a job. You don't know who Bill Snyder is, coach? Oh, he's back at K-State. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I forgot. And Bill Snyder just walks through all the – he walks through Leavenworth, which is in Kansas, walks through Leavenworth, penitentiary, says, who has eligibility left? <laughs> and when all the guys point out that they do, he has them yeah. all run in the line. Whoever finishes there first, they have the pardon, and they get to Kansas State football. So what is it? What is their nickname? Kansas State football, the longest yard? They're the, they're the Wildcats. I know that. But I'm saying maybe their nickname should be the longest yard. Interesting analysis. Now, uh, speaking of that, by the way, Cowan Klein, their quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, we had Geno Smith written in as a runaway winner by midseason. Well, he's starting to lose the mojo uh, actually, rather rapidly, starting to lose it. Would you, Joel Radwanski, stand here in front of the huge two guys in a mic public, heard in seven different continents and also parts of uh, Wilmette and Winnetka, and say that Colin... And Guam. Huh? And Guam. Thank you. Uh, actually, no. I, from what I heard, our signal today not kicking out to Guam. I apologize to all the Guam folks. Uh, we'll be back yeah. on tomorrow in Guam, though. Don't you worry. Um, Colin Klein, your leader in the Heisman Award right now, Big Dog? He has to be. He just beat Geno Smith uh, one million to nothing, and uh, Colin Klein had four, three touchdowns rushing, four touchdowns passing before that first half was over. With I think I would have to say yes that right now Colin Klein is number one in the mm-hmm. in the, for the Heisman Trophy vote right now. David Olson, I think it was Thursday's show. Don't throw that one away yet, because the big dogs still might have to eat crow and a couple soles of shoes and a few other things. Because I'm telling you, he keeps climbing the ladder. There's no quarterback candidates ahead of him. Monte Teo, the leader of the Notre Dame defense. I know you said a defender can't win the Heisman. He's moving up the charts, my friend. That's. I said the only way he could, there's no way he will win the Heisman if he does not have a touchdown. That was what I said. Okay. He has to get a couple defensive touchdowns if he wants to win the Heisman. I, I do realize the defensive player has won it. I was the one that had to tell you the only time I'd ever won it. So it's not like I know that it can't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the argument was the guy with the football. 
It's, that's that's the pose of the Heisman Trophy. The guy is carrying a football. He's not holding. He's not tackling anybody. He's not blocking anyone. He's carrying a ball and literally running with it, which means okay. you're supposed to give the, the trophy to a ball carrier. All right, very good. Yesterday, by the way, we had mentioned. I want to bring him up again because I think it bears uh, throwing the kudos out. It's a good story. Some maybe won't think so. I think it's a good story. Penn State football said to be on the deathbed. They bring in Bill O'Brien for the New England Patriots. Gets the guys to stay the course. Bunch of guys left the team, but the bottom line is, Big Dog, they are all of a sudden racking up W's. Big win over a pretty hot Iowa team at the time, and Penn State suddenly, you know, 6-2, and two, playing great football, and all is hunky-dory in uh, Beaver Dam, Pennsylvania. Happy Valley. Yeah, yeah, and right now the two best teams in the in the Big Ten, Penn State and Ohio State, yep. are ineligible to play in postseason this, this year, so... <laughs> Uh, have fun having Minnesota in the Rose Bowl this year, Coach. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to go that far. I'm a fan of Dr. Jerry Kill, but uh, it is a shame. Penn State and Ohio State both ineligible. I'll tell you what, another guy, uh, he's not going to win the Heisman, but you know what? He's moving up the charts for Big Ten Player of the Year. Who am I going to say? Miller. Who? Braxton Miller. Well, no. Let's stick to the Penn State theme. Braxton Miller we knew about already. But, okay. but all of a sudden, the much maligned, and I think I don't use that term overuse it because he was much maligned with a capital M for a couple of years. Matt McGloin. Yeah, yeah, he having a phenomenal. That guy has, yeah, yeah, he's he got he was buried for two years by Penn State fans. So interesting. All right, uh, did you watch my uh, purple? By the way, the Northwestern Wildcat. Uh, the very little bit of football I got to watch on Saturday, I, I watched the end of the game, and I okay. Here's here's what I want to ask you, Coach. Is I know we had enough leg the kicker for Northwestern, but fourth and six and a half with a minute thirty to go, or attempt a fifty-three yard field goal, and so basically you're on the thirty-six. You got to get to just inside the thirty. Coach, if he makes that field goal, anyways, if the Northwestern kicker makes the field goal, the score is 31-29, there's a minute 20 to go, and you just give the ball back to North Nebraska with a minute and a half to go, and they only need two points. So to attempt a 53-yard field goal, even if you make it, your team has not uh, won the game by any means at this point. And it's an extremely difficult field goal. That, that was a stupid call by Northwestern Day mm-hmm. at the field goal instead of going for it on fourth down. Just thought I, I, I've been meaning to say that. I meant to say it yesterday, and I, I'm glad you brought it up because yeah, that chat my ass up over the game. I will disagree with you on that. I definitely really, don't. Really, dude, you would rather go for it on? You'd rather kick a field goal? What if he makes it? Well, guess what? Nebraska gets the ball back with a minute twenty to go in the game, anyways. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the part he I missed dis- the field goal, so I was right, and I said it before he even missed the field goal. I'm like, this is a stupid call. And then he misses the field goal. Right. Guess what? Nebraska just kneels on and the game's over. The part I disagree with is it wasn't a stupid call. First of all, it's a tough call. And I like the fact that you are thinking a step further than most fans who are just thinking about, oh, six yards for fourth down or the field goal. we got to go for the field goal. I, along with you, like to think about, hey, minute and a half left, percentage of victory, even if he makes it, Hey, they've got a 30%, 35%, maybe even 40% chance of coming back and kicking a field goal. So I like that part of your thought process. But definitely, in my opinion, not a stupid call. It's a tough call, and I'll be honest, Big Doe, fourth and sixth, push comes to shove. I got a pretty darn good field goal kicker. I think it's close, 
but I think I kicked the field goal also. Uh, just to let you know that 53-yard field goal, he had enough leg. It was just wide. Yep. And he had plenty of leg, whoever the Northwestern field goal kicker is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the biggest problem was before that, Northwestern's defense, which is good, playing much better, can't stop people when it counts. And uh, the offense all of a sudden st- stopped passing the ball down the field like they did uh-huh. so well the first two years. Well, did Benrick Mark get hurt? Because why wasn't he yeah. feeling the punt for Northwestern late in the game? Yeah, he did get hurt. Okay, that yeah. that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. He got banged. I think it's torn tricep. I said, what the heck? Tor- tape it up and get him back out there, Big Dog. These players are soft these days. All right, we got to wrap it up, dog. Uh, tomorrow, midweek Wednesday, we'll do some news and notes, titillating tidbits, some midweek musings, if you will, but... Bottom line is we got Giants and Tigers in the series, and Bears win, my friend. Bears. Bears. Are you on the uh, river today, dog? Uh, yes, I am, Coach. I'll be out there at uh, 5.30, and I'll see everybody else out on the river with me. Beautiful. And please don't bring an air gun and shoot from the bridge. We don't recommend that. That should not happen. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, dog and the coach back at you tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening, folks. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, outstanding job. 10 o'clock tomorrow. We do it all over again. Don't be late. The best part of the show is the first 20 seconds.